Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty, along with my brother Brian. We're going to be talking about soybean insects, specifically aphids today, but we'll also talk about other insect problems in soybeans. It's interesting, this spring we're already hearing from growers in the north talking about, man, we got some bug problems here. We got some bug problems there today. I talked to several people in completely different areas saying, wow, we've got alfalfa weevil larva problems. Well, if you have alfalfa weevil larvae, how soon are you going to be cutting? And that was my follow-up question. And in every case, Brian, I got, well, they're going to cut in less than a week. So it's too late to spray. And well, when you've got seven to fourteen day pre harvest intervals, depending on which product you choose. You've got to find a product that's got less. Yeah. For most growers, the choice they're making is, well, I'm gonna cut and then as soon as that haze off, no. I'm gonna terrible I'm gonna go idea. Back. Terrible idea. So let's do blunt with Brian. All right. So Well, here's the other here's the other I, option I, that I don't I, think people <laughs> think about. You could wait an extra day. Why, why not wait just a little bit extra before you cut? I, I thought it was interesting. I remember when Warrior came out and we were looking at pre-harvest intervals and it had like a one-day pre-harvest interval on tomatoes. And I was talking to somebody that had a garden. They're like, yeah, I've got these bugs and they're getting on my tomatoes. And I said, well, great. Spray Warrior that we use on our farm in soybeans wait, for whoa, aphids. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Not great. Well, great. No, it's good that there is a way to kill them. Not great. Well, you identified, you identified the problem, and there's a way to solve it, and it's called Warrior. It's the same thing we use in soybeans to kill aphids, and we'll talk about that today. And they said, well, I want to eat these tomatoes. They're just about ready to eat. And I said, well, are you going to eat them today? Well, no. I'm probably going to eat them in a couple days. I said, great. You got a pre-harvest interval of one day. So you could eat them tomorrow if you wanted to. And, and of course, that person's like, you got to be kidding me. I'm not going to spray an insecticide on my tomatoes and eat them the next day. And I said, oh, okay, first of all, I would always wash a vegetable anyway. I, I, I get it that we're used to just going out in the garden and eating something right there. I'd wash it just to be on the safe side. But it's got a one-day pre-harvest interval for a reason. They've done testing on this to prove safety. So it's something to think about. And like we're talking about with hay here and alfalfa hay, and if you've got alfalfa weevil larvae attacking your first cutting or potentially second cutting, you need to spray them. You need to kill them right now. Here's the other side of that and the, the where the discussion went in the Dakotas, where we're pretty dry right now in most areas, is what are you going to have for regrowth on that second cutting? If you've got a bug out there that's damaging your plant, all of a sudden your plant's going to struggle even more than normal. I mean, if we were getting an inch of rain every week and the temperatures were moderate and it was just ideal for growing, well, yes, alfalfa weevil larvae would still be a problem, but it wouldn't be near as problem uh, as much of a problem as when you're in a drought. So that's one of the things that we'll we'll kind of hit on today too with these soybean pests. If you're super dry, and I know a lot of times people say, I don't want to spend the money, we'd say uh, you have to in a drought. You can't afford something damaging your crop or you're, good, or you're just going to lose it all. Okay, so that's one of the things that's going on right now. But our advice is absolutely, absolutely spray immediately. When you see those alfalfa weevil larvae out there. And by the way, there's a big difference between if it's alfalfa weevil, that's the adult, and the larvae, that's the worm. Uh, the adult is a beetle. Uh, and 
or well, basically, it, it it's going to look like a beetle. Uh, that's harder to kill in the adult stage. In the larvae stage, easy. You can literally use almost anything, and it'll be fine. So. Yeah, in terms of this rotation or the pre-harvest interval, if we're talking cutting or grazing, then it's one to three days. But if we're talking harvesting uh, seed, it's a little bit different. Um, and maybe, well, anyway, just look at the labels. So Mustang Max would be a really good one. Uh, Lambda Psi, Kendo, Silencer, all those kind of products. If you go to something like Lorsban, if you want to get up to a pint rate, well, now you're 14 days and that's not going to work. So you got to go with something shorter for the pre-harvest interval. Okay, so that was one of the things I wanted to get to right off the right off the bat here on the show. Another one is flea beetles. So and I think it was an agronomist today who said this was in canola. But anyway, same thing here. Look, if you see flea beetles, if you see alfalfa weevil larvae, they are hurting your crop right now. Spray them immediately. I mean, like literally go out and spray today. This is why you should always have insecticide on hand. You can return insecticide in most products. Have the stuff on hand so you don't have to go find it, get it, and then go spray. I mean, today, like for us, is a calm day. Our guys are out spraying right now. If, you, if you're out scouting and you see alfalfa weevil larvae or flea beetles, you go spray the same day. Because not only are they hurting your yield, number one, but number two, they are most likely damaging your crop enough that it will be more likely to get disease. So in alfalfa, that means a much shorter life of the stand and poorer quality. And in canola, it means diseases hitting you later in the season or almost any crop diseases hitting you later in the season. So those are big things. Another thing I had today, Darren, is somebody said dish soap in the spray tank with the spray. And I go, no way, don't do that. But they'd heard that somewhere. And uh, and anyway, I just said, no, that's probably going to hurt the performance of the product. And two, it's not labeled. Don't put dish soap in the spray tank. That's bad. Last thing that I had. And by the way, today is one of the days where it's just a good example of why I love being an agronomist because we get all these questions and hopefully... Uh, we're helping people get back on the right path. Here's one from North Dakota this morning. An agronomist calls me and he goes, yep, I got a farmer who wants to replant all his corn. And I go, what do you mean replant all his corn? He goes, well, yesterday the the wind cut it off. You know, there was a lot of wind blowing and, and so the soil, between the soil and the wind, a lot of his corn got cut off right at the ground level. And I go, well, how big is the corn? He goes, oh, maybe V3, maybe V4. And I said, 100% of that corn will be great. And not only will it be great, but um, you're, if you were to replant, you'd probably lose 20% of your yield by replanting, plus all the cost and the time. Don't replant. Just leave it. It'll be fine. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. As a little girl, I always wanted to run the combine because it meant I was helping dad. And dad always said, farmers are helpers. I'm teaching that to my daughters, that farmers help our family our neighbors and our community. It's what I do at work. I help farmers get the equipment they need. My name is Kim, I'm a farmer, and I work for Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. Don't miss the Ag PhD Field Day this year. After postponing last season, we're back and better than ever, and we have a lot of catching up to do. 
With the latest in ag technologies on display in our plots, in-person sessions with the world's top farmers, and tons of entertainment, food, and more, it's a day you won't want to miss. Thursday, July 29th, right here on the Hefty Farm. For more information and to register for the Ag PhD Field Day, visit agphd.com. You work for results. That's why the Enlist Weed Control System gives you flexible tank mixing, near zero volatility, a wide application window, and proven weed control. Because the Enlist system was built for your results. Get better weed control with no ifs, ands, or buts at Enlist.com. Enlist.com. Morton Buildings knows that great buildings need great people. And we want you to be the newest member of our team. Morton is expanding its construction crew, and we're seeking new and experienced candidates to fill our crew member positions. Morton provides great pay and training, so be a part of the next generation to build Morton. Don't let the opportunity to join the best construction crew in the business pass you by. Learn more on our careers page at mortonbuildings.com. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here along with my brother Darren. We're live in the Morton studio today talking soybean aphids and taking your calls and questions. Our number here is 844-44-AG-PHD or you can send us an email radio at agphd.com. So right before the break I was talking about this corn that got cut off right at the ground level and it was at V3 or V4. I, I can't even find on the hail charts where it says what happens at V3 or V4. But if you if you look at like Iowa State University or University of Nebraska-Lincoln and look at their hail charts, okay, I use those all the time. They're amazing. It's basically telling you when uh, you have a crop at a certain stage, how much percent how much percent yield you are going to lose based on the amount of leaf loss. Well, even at V7, they've shown that 100% leaf loss, think about that, V7 corn, 100% leaf loss, and they only have a 9% yield loss. So in other words, you still have 91% of your expected yield. In my experience, what I found is when corn gets hailed off, mowed off, cut off, at V3 or V4, you have virtually zero yield loss. What you will have is slightly delayed maturity. So your corn might be two points wetter in the fall, but that's not that big a deal. So don't get too worried about it. Leave the corn. It's going to be fine. Definitely do not go replanting corn when it's just cut off at ground level. Go back out and check in a few days, but you should see nice green new growth coming from those plants and everything's going to be okay. All right, let's get to the phone lines here. We've got JJ out in Oregon on with a question. JJ, how's it going? Oh, great, guys. How are you guys doing? We're doing well. We're doing well. I hear you're talking about pasture spraying. Yeah, we have a small acreage, and uh, unfortunately, with horses, and it's overgrazed a little bit too much. And we're not in business, so it's just personal use. But we ended up getting um, buttercups really bad out here, and the buttercups are actually will burn the paint the paint horses the white horses they'll burn their muzzles if they eat it or get into it and so we sprayed last year uh we had a gentleman spray so i'm not the one doing this we used mcpa is that familiar okay. with you guys sure sure 
Um, what the question is today is he, he, I just talked to him and he said he sprayed, he's a commercial sprayer, but he was concerned because he sprayed his pasture. His animals were not in the buttercup. After he sprayed it, they, they ate it. Two days after he sprayed it, he put his animals back in there. The, uh, curious about how long should we keep our horses off of the pasture after, after it's sprayed for, uh, any toxicity to them as eating the, the plants. Okay, so when we start talking about MCPA, that's basically just 2,4-D, all right? Uh, it's a little bit safer okay. version of 2,4-D, uh, but that's not like super harmful to animals. So I, I don't, off the top of my head, and Darren, maybe you could look this up if you got a second. Uh, I, I don't remember what the um, what the what rotation the grazing restriction thank, is. Thank you. I couldn't say the words. Uh, so there are <laughs> grazing. Yeah, there are grazing restrictions after all these pesticides. Uh, so it'll tell you how long to stay off the field. My assumption is, and Darren, you can look this up and double check me. I'm guessing it's only a day or two with MCPAMine because it's not that toxic. A lot of the okay. pasture sprays are really not that bad. So Tordon, okay. for example, isn't going to hurt a thing. Milestone, fine. Uh, the new Freelex is a is a I another two four D product we use. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, I'm really not too worried about that. The only thing, let me just tell you one quick story. So many times over the years, farmers have used milestone or products like Tordon out in the pasture. Cattle are out there grazing. And I mean, they're literally out there as this is going on, or they maybe wait a day, okay. put them back out. But here's what happens. They'll get the Tordon inside them and then they'll turn them out onto, in our region of the country, corn stalks in the fall. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, yeah. if they go right from the pasture that was sprayed to the corn stalks in the fall, guess what happens? Everywhere they, they have their, yeah, everywhere they have their droppings, there's a little tort on there and there's a dead spot of soybeans the next year if the guy plants soybeans there so exactly, that's the only thing but yeah. no i I'm, I'm really not worried about the horses uh okay. darren did you find anything on that on grazing restriction well it's uh seven days after application yeah so on oh. the label it's going to okay. tell you you got to keep them out for seven days okay all right. Well, I just want to thank you, gentlemen. I'm not. I'm a log trucker, a logger out here in Oregon, and I listen to you guys uh, quite a bit, and I enjoy your program. And I used to farm out at Klamath Falls, but now we're in the timber industry. So I just want to thank you for your uh, for your show, and and uh, you guys have a great day. You bet. Thanks. You too. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, those grazing restrictions really vary depending on what kind of animal, what they're used for, all those kinds of things, and. Uh, I, you, you could say yeah, there's so always dairy and lactating dairy animals. Yeah. Those are the ones you really have to pay attention to. But yeah, usually for horses and cows, a lot of these things, it's real, real short. The thing that I was thinking about though, from his question, Brian, was that, that they weren't eating the buttercup so much before, but after they got sprayed, they went right to them that they liked them after they had been sprayed and they started breaking down perhaps. That, that was Maybe I misunderstood that just a little bit, but I have seen that before where, where there's some things they won't go after. One thing with some of these sprays is they've got some salt to them, and if they're a little salty, that, that might be part of what's going on there as well. Uh, oh, well, the other thing I would say is, you know, a product like MCP Amine or any 2,4-D isn't going to have a lot of residual. That's the reason why a lot of people will use stuff like Milestone and Tordon that has lots of residual. So you don't have to worry as much that 
uh-oh, my weed's going to come back right away. So obviously it depends on the weed species. You got to use a labeled product and all that kind of thing. But I'm just saying that's kind of the advantage to having these residual products is so hopefully it'll keep the weeds out for quite a while, not just a short time. Hey, I, I should clarify, and I know JJ is still holding on there for for uh, in terms of cattle, as long as it's not a lactating dairy animal. That it was horses. Have, they don't have a restriction. I don't see horses on there. Yeah, but but yeah, there's there's as little as zero for cattle that are not. Lactate. Yeah, and that's, that was kind of my point. A lot of these products are actually quite safe. And so if, let's say, an animal gets out there, are we worried that animal's going to die? Not a chance. No way. So it, it's not that. It's just to try to make it as absolutely safe as possible. And I'll, I'll say one other thing, too. The active ingredients in a lot of these herbicides are very safe. Some of the inert ingredients are, are more dangerous than the active ingredient. Now, granted, on the MSDS sheet, it's going to talk about the whole product, not just the active ingredients. So just read and follow label directions and you're going to be fine. I'm simply saying here, a lot of people want to villainize the active ingredients in some of these herbicides, but it's not the active ingredient that's causing any problem at all in terms of humans or animals or anything like that. And we're very lucky that we have so many safe alternatives today to a lot of the more dangerous products that got used years and years ago and are now banned here in the United States and in Canada. All right, uh, let's jump back on the phone lines. we got Wyatt Kaufman with us with BASF. And Wyatt, I, I wanted to talk to you about soybean aphids just a little bit. We only got a couple of minutes here before we got to jump to a break. So if you don't mind, we'll uh, we'll maybe get started and then hang on through the break and finish up. Okay, yeah, that's fine. I'm happy to be here and talk some soybean aphids today. All right, so when we're thinking about soybean aphids, we're generally thinking just a little bit later in the season, but obviously we've got a lot of things going on out there already, and so we get growers talking to us about, well, if I spray now and I've got bean leaf beetles or these types of things, will I have residual? Will I need to change modes of action later when I spray my aphids? Uh, how do you start with any early season applications that are needed? Right, so... When we look at early season applications, we're probably going to be looking for things like bean leaf beetles and uh, some of those other pests that won't necessarily be soybean aphids because we won't typically see those at economic threshold levels until later in the year. So when we're thinking of making a, an insecticide application, we typically won't have any products that have a uh, residual that would carry us through to the end of the year to when we have soybean aphids. So I think definitely approaching those as two different events and two different ways to manage those would be the best way to go. Yeah, I agree. We're going to see that that first application wear off. The other thing we're going to see is significant plant growth. And I know when we talk about fungicides as well, when we get somebody that goes out with an early season application wondering about protection way down the road in the season, boy, you're going to have a whole lot more plant out there that's going to need protection. Uh, again, we're talking with Wyatt Kaufman here with BASF, and, and we're going to take a short break. We'll be right back talking more about soybean aphids and what you can do to stop them on your farm. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. 
That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. If you're a student seeking a career in agriculture or just want to learn more about raising good crops, at Ag PhD, we have some great news for you. On Saturday, June 26th, we're holding an Ag PhD Young Farmers Field Day right here on our farm. In addition to providing great information, we'll be heading into the fields to show you the principles of agronomy and crop scouting firsthand. College scholarships will be available to eligible attendees too. For more information and to register for the Young Farmers Field Day, visit agphd.com. Your soil, your season, your edge. Make the new three-point Soil Warrior Edge from Environmental Tillage Systems your strip tillage system. Because you don't get to choose the condition of your soil, the Soil Warrior Edge is engineered to handle whatever's in your fields. And that same durable engineering goes the extra acre when that's what you have to do. The new Soil Warrior Edge three-point mounted strip till system. Learn more at SoilWarrior.com. Help keep the toughest, most resistant diseases out of your fields with Lucinto Fungicide from FMC. An exclusive novel premix of two modes of action delivers broad-spectrum control and a long-lasting protective residual. Tackle key diseases in corn, soybeans, wheat, peanuts, and sugar beets. Choose Lucinto Fungicide from FMC. Visit your FMC retailer or lucinto.ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow label directions for use. Don't miss the Ag PhD Field Day this year. After postponing last season, we're back and better than ever, and we have a lot of catching up to do. With the latest in ag technologies on display in our plots, in-person sessions with the world's top farmers, and tons of entertainment, food, and more, it's a day you won't want to miss. Thursday, July 29th, right here on the Hefty Farm. For more information and to register for the Ag PhD Field Day, visit agphd.com. When it comes to competitive herbicide formulations, you know New Farm. They've been bringing growers trusted brands like Weedmaster, Patriot, and Diablo for decades, made right here in the USA. What's your favorite New Farm brand? Email it to turnuptheburn at newfarm.com and you'll be entered to win a monthly $1,000 product giveaway. In these unprecedented times, you're facing unprecedented pressure. New Farm's here to help. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're getting an early jump on soybean aphids on today's program. Also taking your calls and agronomic questions. And man, there are a lot of agronomic questions right now. This year is throwing some curveballs, no doubt about that. 844-44-AG-PHD is our phone line. Or you can email us, radio at agphd.com. Let's get back to our discussion here with Wyatt Kaufman with BSF. Wyatt, thanks for hanging on there for us. Yeah, no problem. Okay, aphids kind of present this unique challenge. There, there are certainly people, uh, I know we've got a lot of our listeners in Minnesota that would say, I'm nervous, pyrethroids aren't doing the job anymore. And, you know, when we talk about aphids in a lot of different crops, farmers will say, wow, coverage can be a challenge and getting that use rate just right, picking the right product can be a challenge too. So when you get questions about soybean aphids, where do you start? Yeah, so typically with soybean aphids, I like to start with, well, two new products that BASF has brought to the market in the last couple of years, one of those being Safina. So Safina has 
a zinc mode of action. It is easy on pollinators, very, very low toxicity on pollinators from the testing that has been done. So there are no pollinator restrictions, and it is not a restricted use pesticide. It has a caution warning word on the label. So um, it really complements um, natural predatory insects as well because they uh, the product doesn't affect the natural predatory insects. So you can keep the things like Asian lady beetles out there that prey on the soybean aphids. And that way, you know, you have that control even after the residual of the, of the insecticide is worn off. And then the other product that I mentioned would be Renestra, which is a combination of that Safina product with a pyrethroid. So not only are you controlling the pyrethroid resistant aphids, but you also get control of other insect pests that may be out there. And this is a perfect fit for fields that have other insect pests present, such as uh, Japanese beetles or grasshoppers or things of that nature that may be chewing on the leaves at that time as well. You know, I'm glad you brought this up that with Safina and that it's easy on the pollinators. It's very specific in the bugs that it's going to control. There are not a huge number of bugs on the label. It's it's very focused, but aphids are one of them that it does a fantastic job on. We've had growers for years and years say, oh, I wish I could be easy on the pollinators and, and just nasty on those aphids. That would be wonderful. Well, we've got it. And you know what? It's not a dollar an acre. It costs a little bit more than those cheap, cheap products that are out there. But it does a great job. And like you mentioned, if you can leave those pollinators out there, your odds of having to spray again are much, much less. Right. So, yeah, by keeping those beneficial insects present in the field, we, you know, kind of have that natural barrier to control. And Safina, you know, ultimately works a lot quicker than some of the other products on the market it prevents the aphids from continuing feeding within a matter of hours so you'll start to see them kind of dance around uncontrollably on the leaf and then within a day or two they fall off the leaf but when they start moving uncontrollably they can no longer feed so we see almost immediate cessation of the aphids causing damage to the plant and um you know like i said after the residual of the product wears off, we can have those numbers knocked back. And if aphids do move back into the field, we're going to be able to preserve those beneficial insects that are predatory to the aphids and feed on them. So for anyone listening today, think about it this way. You've got a product that, that will basically just kill your aphids, leave everything else alone. So you've got to do a good job before you consider spraying of scouting, get a sweep net, run through your crop, find out what bugs are out there, and then identify those insects. Because I know a lot of times, Wyatt, I'll go and I'll run my sweep net and I'll identify, well, I'm not too bad at it. I'll probably get at least eight out of 10 species identified, but there'll be one or two that I'll say, huh, I don't even know what that one is. So I just figure it's probably not a bug of economic significance if I don't know what it is by now, all the years I've been farming. But uh, is there a good tool that you see out there to, to determine which bug is which? Right. Yeah. So there are plenty of resources online and usually um, your local extension is probably the best place to start because, you know, certain bugs can vary by geography. So I typically go to, because I'm in South Dakota, 
I will use South Dakota extension, or maybe if I'm in the northern part of the state, jump to the North Dakota extension. Oh, don't say it. Don't say it, Wyatt. Don't don't say North Dakota. <laughs> Come on now. You you realize how much grief Brian and I are going to get because you just mentioned that. But all right, all right. We're, we're talking with Wyatt Coffin, just teasing you a little bit. Uh, but he, he did mention Safina. It's a new product, and we're kind of excited about these products that are that are easier on pollinators and have a pretty nice fit on a lot of farms. Wyatt, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on, and good luck here heading into the season. Yeah, thank you, guys. I look forward to seeing you at Happy Field Day. You bet. That sounds good. Uh, let's head over to Minnesota. We've got Tim Dahl with Syngenta with us right now. Tim, how are you? Really good, and uh, thanks for having me on today. All right, so I know that you've been out eradicating all the buckthorn in every tree belt and long <laughs> riverbanks, and we probably just aren't going to have any aphids this year. Sure, yep, uh, <laughs> yep. Exactly. You know what was funny, Tim? Uh, I remember when we first started talking about soybean aphids, it really wasn't that terrible many years ago that they first became a problem. And, and our sister was doing some filming for us, and we said, hey, why don't you go out and find some buckthorn and and so we have some footage we can use on the TV show. Well, she comes back in like a half an hour. And we're like, wait, I thought you were going to get footage. She goes, guys, it's in like every tree belt around here. I didn't have to drive more than a mile. And, you know, it is something that there's plenty of habitat for these aphids. It, it just takes the right opportunity for them to really blow up. Yep. I, when you're talking about buckthorn, I thought you were talking about my farm in southeastern Minnesota. So, um, but yeah, they, they can blow up. It's interesting. You know, I was thinking about soybean aphids when we first, you know, really had the issues with them i can't remember how many years ago that it seems like a lifetime ago but when when aphids first hit the scene boy they really blew up and it seemed like we had fields that went from nothing to just these astronomical numbers and it became it it was pretty easy to treat for because it went from no aphids to just a pile and you had to treat seems like that's kind of gotten clouded you know with females coming in at different times years and some of the seed treatments that we have that might slow down that progression a little bit it's gotten a little bit trickier with scouting and just when we talk about aphid days you know sometimes pulling the trigger isn't as clear cut as it used to be so um it's evolved i guess yeah you know everything evolves on on the farm and you got to be learning all the time no doubt about that the good thing about aphids is we kind of know when they they like to show up and a lot of times it's towards the end of june and more prevalent even in july heading into august the challenge that a lot of growers will have is they they don't want to scout all the time they'd kind of like a little more targeted window what do you find is is a good amount of time to be out in field scouting once a week in each field or do you think you need more or less yeah I, the, the more often you know the better but again it, it, it's it's more complex again like we just talked about and and uh, the previous caller talked about all the different insects that are in a field you, you know we talk about a multi-pest threshold so not only that, some of the other pests that we have out there, if it gets dry, then do we start worrying about, um, you know, spider mites and, and other things. So the more often, the better. Um, at least scout some of the fields. You know, if you start to see a few aphids, and, and I know we've talked about it before, what's the economic threshold, you know? Is it really 250 or early in the season? Is it much less than that? How many aphid days are we going to accumulate? So... Again, pretty variable, but the more often you're in there, uh, the better. 
and and be listening to what's happening in the neighborhood. If you hear about something, um, you know, whether it's on, on this show or other places, um, you know, obviously scout way more often. Yeah, I agree. You have to keep your ears on throughout the season. And I know, I know, sometimes you need a weekend off. But you got to pay attention because if your neighbors are starting to see issues, it's just a matter of time before those things find your farm as well. Tim Dahl with Syngenta. Thank you so much, Tim. Really appreciate having you on. Thank you. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Today we're talking about soybean aphids, but we're also tackling any agronomic question you've got. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. The Pentair Hypro Express Flush Valve reduces plugged nozzles and improves cleanout of your spray boom. Simply flush boom sections with a quarter turn ball valve and leave your tools in the cab. Plus, insulation is easy. Simply remove the existing end cap plug and replace with the Hypro Express Flush Valve. Learn more at pentair.com slash hypro. Stop losing money from your stored grain with the Enzone Fan Control System from FarmShop MFG. The Enzone monitors outside conditions to run your fans so your grain naturally reaches ideal temperature and humidity. For more information, visit farmshopmfg.com. No matter what time of the year it is on your farm, with a Bayer Plus Rewards program, earning and redeeming rewards are always in season. Because when you buy two or more eligible seed or crop protection products throughout the year, you earn $3 per acre in cashback rewards. Cash you can redeem and reinvest in your farm later in the season. That's Bayer Plus Rewards. And that's how we're helping make every part of your season, well, rewarding. Visit MyBayerPlus.com to learn more. See program terms and conditions for full details. Don't miss the Ag PhD Field Day this year. After postponing last season, we're back and better than ever, and we have a lot of catching up to do. With the latest in ag technologies on display in our plots, in-person sessions with the world's top farmers, and tons of entertainment, food, and more, it's a day you won't want to miss. Thursday, July 29th, right here on the Hefty Farm. For more information and to register for the Ag PhD Field Day, visit agphd.com. Introducing the next generation of weed control in wheat, Wide AR Match Herbicide. Uh, I'm sorry, is this a typo? I mean, there's an AR in the middle of Wide Match. Mm-hmm, that's the name. It's called Wide R Match Herbicide. Oh, my bad. From the top. <clears throat> Introducing Wide R Match from Corteva AgriScience. It's not a typo. It's an upgrade. The AR stands for RLX Active for improved control of the toughest broadleaf weeds in wheat. Talk with your retailer to learn more. If you're a student seeking a career in agriculture or just want to learn more about raising good crops, at Ag PhD, we have some great news for you. On Saturday, June 26th, we're holding an Ag PhD Young Farmers Field Day right here on our farm. In addition to providing great information, we'll be heading into the fields to show you the principles of agronomy and crop scouting firsthand. College scholarships will be available to eligible attendees too. For more information and to register for the Young Farmers Field Day, visit agphd.com. Revitech fungicide from BASF has been specifically developed for the selective soybean grower who doesn't compromise. If you think good is good enough, if you're okay with just achieving rather than overachieving, if average is your goal, this is not the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide, brand new chemistry, three no excuse modes of action, zero modes of compromise. Sounds like the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide from BASF, that's smart. Always read and follow label directions. Thanks for listening today to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty along with my brother Darren. 
We're live in the Morton studio today talking soybean aphids. If you've got a question for us or if there's anything you'd like to talk about that's happening on your farm right now, our number here is 844-44-AG-PHD or you can send us an email radio at agphd.com. So when it comes to soybean aphids, this is something where, uh, well, let me just give you a little bit of background. I think it was 15 years ago now or around then when we had our first aphid outbreak. Prior to that, we'd never sprayed for aphids ever, ever. They just showed up in our country, came supposedly from China, and the Asian lady beetles are the ones that feed on them especially. So that's also why we then saw more Asian lady beetles after we saw Siberian aphids. You can usually determine based on a predator um, what is around for insects. So I say the same thing to people when they have moles in their yard. I go, okay, the only reason why you have moles is you probably have grubs in the yard. So you get rid of the food and then the other thing is going to go away. So if we got rid of all the soybean aphids, we might not see nearly as many Asian lady beetles around. Okay. Anyway, with soybean aphids, um, we had never sprayed before. Then we had to try to figure out all of a sudden these things show up and it's like, oh my goodness, what's the threshold? So there were a bunch of universities that got together and decided the threshold was 250 aphids per plant. Now, here's where I'm going with this. Back then, the soybean price, the commodity grain, was in the range of six or seven bucks a bushel. We were getting on average 10 bushels less production per acre than we are today. And insecticides cost a lot more money. A lot of insecticides were six, eight bucks an acre. Now they're dollar fifty-two bucks. So what I'm where I'm going with all this is, and I'll, I'll again, sorry, I'm making this too long a story. But anyway, back when I was in college and right after college, I worked for FMC for a while, and I got to study under all these super great entomologists, and they talked to me all the time about Brian. You don't give a rip about threshold. What you care about always for the farmer, for the farmer's best interest, is the economic threshold. We know bugs are going to damage your field. Okay, If some harmful insects show up out there, it's a proven fact. The guy's lost a little bit of yield. But the question you have to ask yourself is, are you losing enough yield to justify a treatment? And I'm like, okay, that makes a lot of sense. You know, I've been a farm kid my whole life, and I, I get that. So we've basically held to that for all these years. So I've been an agronomist full-time for over 30 years now, and I still think about those lessons that I learned as a very, very young agronomist that, look, the threshold has to vary when the economic conditions vary. So if you think that the soybean aphid threshold is still 250 today after being the same thing for 15 straight years, there's zero chance of that. That's not true as an economic threshold. Now, it can be a threshold. You can say anything you want for a threshold. Uh, But what we care about is, do we have enough aphids to justify the treatment? So just play along with this for just a second. If, let's say that the soybean price is double, the insecticide price is one-fourth, and the yield potential is, let's call it 20% more, you start running some very, very simple math, and you go, wait a second here. It doesn't take me very many aphids to justify treatment if I literally run through the math, and that's basically where we've ended up. So I'll, I'll 
more I'll be more than happy to pull the trigger if I see 15, 20, 25 aphids per plant. Okay. For me, that's the economic threshold. On my farm, relatively early in the reproductive stages. Let's call it R1, R2, R3, something like that. So that's the trigger I'm going to pull based on my cost, what I can get for beans right now, which $13 new crop, that looks pretty nice. And the fact that insecticides are dirt cheap. So you got to weigh all those things out. And that's really the number one thing I always want you to think about with insects. Don't consider a threshold, which you have to consider is an economic threshold. How many do you have to have before it costs you a bunch of money and you would be way ahead to pull the trigger on spraying? Now, let me add one more thing into this. We always spray fungicide in our soybeans. We have found that always, well, I shouldn't say always, that on average pays really well. So we're out there spraying at least once, and especially this year with $13 beans, if, if we don't spray twice, I'd be shocked. So here's where I'm going with this. If we're already going to go out and spray something else out there anyway, and we might be spraying some biologicals or maybe late herbicide or whatever, the point is before you spray anything on your farm, I'm always going to encourage you just go check for bugs. If you got some harmful insects, your cost for spraying is almost nothing. And that's what I come back to when we look at what's our economic threshold if I literally have a difference in cost of $1.75 between, hey, I'm already spraying this fungicide and, you know, biological, herbicide, whatever, all I have to do is throw in $1.75 worth of insecticide, I don't have to have very many darn, darn bugs out there. Maybe 10, 15 per plant, 20, whatever. So that's what you got to weigh in. I will also say, we do not promote just randomly spraying insecticide because, well, I'm out there spraying anyway. And I'll ask the guys, well, do you have bugs out there? Well, I haven't even looked, but I'm just going to throw the insecticide in. <laughs> we, we don't advise you to do that because even though $1.75 or $2 or heck, even if it was $5, it's not that much money in the grand scheme of things. And you say, well, I'll just, I'll do this and who cares? It's no big deal. But here's the downside to that. It's still money. And if you had only beneficial insects and no harmful insects out there, then you're doing yourself more harm than good. You want those beneficials left out there as long as you can. I mean, sure, at some point, if there's so darn many harmful bugs, you got to go spray and kill everything. Okay, I get that. But if all you have is beneficials, just let the beneficials do their stuff. Don't Just save the money on the insecticide. So that's our advice to you is, number one, always look at economic, economic thresholds. Number two, Always scout on a regular basis, but especially shortly before you are going to spray anything else in your field. Oh, and I mentioned this at the start of the show, too, talking about the bean leaf beetles and alfalfa weevil larvae. Just have insecticide on your farm. It doesn't hurt you at all to have some product around all summer long. And worst case scenario, you can return it. Okay, so just talk to your supplier and say, look, I want to get some insecticide today just in case I have to spray any bug that shows up on my farm. Because here's how this works. And, you know, I think about even this weekend as a good example. Okay, let's say that your dealer is going to be closed on Saturday and Sunday like normal. And then, uh-oh, Monday's Memorial Day. So you might potentially find insects on Friday evening and you can't get product until Tuesday? I mean, that's not going to work. By Tuesday, you've already lost half the crop. 
have product around on hand. I encourage you to have herbicide, have insecticide, have fungicide. So if you need to spray, you can do it. And just work with your supplier so you can return the stuff if you don't end up needing it. But I, I would just encourage you to be prepared because we just don't know what's going to hit and when it's going to hit. And with insects, they move fast and they multiply fast. I'll give you the example of soybean aphids. They can double their numbers in a single day if they have the perfect temperature. And that perfect temperature has been established at 77 degrees. So if it's literally a constant 77 degrees in less than 24 hours, you will see your aphid numbers double. Now that's assuming that you don't have a whole bunch of beneficials out there feeding on them or anything like that. But I, I'm just saying you could easily go from, oh, I got 10 per plant to tomorrow it's 20. The next day it's 40. The next day it's 80. And the day after that, it's 160, five days later. And all of a sudden you got a mess. So be prepared, be scouting, have some insecticide on hand, and always think about that economic threshold. All right, right after this break, we are going to get to your questions in the Ag PhD mailbag. If you've got a question for us, you can email us, radio at agphd.com, or you can give us a call if you would like to, 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. Just about every day here, we're getting questions on fertility on weeds and all well, kinds and of I, stuff it's what fun do you too have because here? we get questions from non-farmers and i've got a great one from liz that we're going to get into comparing inbred corn and hybrid corn and she's got an idea of how we can save money on fertilizer i'm always open to that stay tuned we'll be right back maintaining your crops is as important now as it's ever been howler a revolutionary fungicide from AgBiome, can help it provides long-lasting protection from a broad spectrum of foliar and soil diseases that affect crops. Howler is OMRI listed, has multiple modes of action, and has minimal pre-harvest and re-entry intervals. It's flexible, easy to use, and is available right now. Visit agbiome.com forward slash Howler to learn more. If you're a student seeking a career in agriculture or just want to learn more about raising good crops, at Ag PhD, we have some great news for you. On Saturday, June 26th, we're holding an Ag PhD Young Farmers Field Day right here on our farm. In addition to providing great information, we'll be heading into the fields to show you the principles of agronomy and crop scouting firsthand. College scholarships will be available to eligible attendees too. For more information and to register for the Young Farmers Field Day, visit agphd.com. Precision crop nutrition pays. And AgroLiquid has precisely what it takes to help you succeed. The right products plus the right expertise to give you guidance based on your soils, your fields, and your goals. While our clean, seed-safe formulations and lower application rates make planter fertilizer easier than ever. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. A lot goes into keeping a precision operation moving. The inputs you choose have to deliver results. New Delaro Complete Fungicide from Bayer offers unmatched consistency and the most complete disease control available. Your corn and soybeans are protected and yields higher, even in unpredictable conditions. With Delaro Complete, you get results you can count on to help keep your precision operation running smoothly. Always read and follow label instructions. To learn more, visit delarocomplete.us today. 
Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. If you're looking to get the most out of your foliar nutrition and fungicide programs, ask your ag retailer about Nutex EDA from Sipcam Agro. Nutex EDA has been proven to increase foliar micronutrient tissue levels and maintain those levels for an extended period of time. When tank mixed with fungicides, Nutex EDA helps support plant health, resulting in higher quality and yields. Nutex EDA is an affordable and effective solution that should be part of every grower's high-yield toolbox. Hey everybody, come on in. The Ag PhD Mailbag is about to begin. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD and you can email us radio at agphd.com if you have an agronomic question. Got an email from Liz. She was watching our Ag PhD TV show and we were talking about inbreds versus hybrid corn production and, and basically using inbreds to produce seed corn. And she said, my, my question is, do farmers fertilize the male and female plants and rows at different rates? I'm wondering, since the male row doesn't have to uh, make it all the way through the season, the female, you're trying to produce an ear and you're going to make it all, all the way through the season. Do you need the same amount of fertility? Is this a spot where farmers could potentially cut back? Well, when you say farmers, it's not very many farmers because you're talking about seed corn production, and that's on a tiny percentage of the acres. Well, but, okay, let's just look at how many acres it is. Let's say okay. let's let's say that there's 90 million acres of corn, and you can raise 100 bushels on a seed corn production field, and you're going to need what? Uh, yeah, so two percent of the acres. Yeah, maybe. a third of a so, bag. Or... So two per two percent of the acres. Uh, may, maybe three percent. It's, it's pretty of the low. Acres. It's pretty low. Right. It, it's, it's it's peanuts. And could you theoretically put a little bit less fertilizer there? Well, you could, but really all we're going to be talking about is the leachable nutrients: nitrogen, sulfur, and boron. So. The boron, I definitely wouldn't cut back on because I got to have that at tasseling. I, I, I got to have great uh, a great amount of, of pollen that's coming off. So boron's super important for that. So you can't cut back on that. So that leaves me with only two nutrients, nitrogen and sulfur. And the reason why I say the rest of them, you don't know where the rows are going to be the next year. You can't cut back on your P and your K and some of these other things because a lot of the seed corn production is raised in it's something other than pure sand. So it's going to hold nutrients from one year to the next. So I'm not taking that risk as the farmer who's doing that seed corn production because chances are it's going to be soybeans the next year or some other crop, and I can't have that going, oh, good, bad, good, bad, all throughout the field. So literally all I'm talking about is nitrogen and sulfur, and is it possible you could cut back a little bit just in those rows? Sure it is. That's a possibility. Go ahead, Darren. All right. Uh, next question. This one comes from Bill. He said, thinking about coming to your field day and we got signed up. I'm just wondering about hotel rooms, if you do anything in terms of blocking out rooms or if that is just up to the attendees. 
Uh, I think there are some room blocks, but if you go to our website at agphd.com, we've got information there. Honestly, I haven't even checked it out I, here lately. I don't think I don't think we've got anything up there at this point. I think that's part of Bill's question: When are you oh. putting stuff up? So we'll we'll take a look at that, Bill. Hmm. And okay. if it's not up there, at least maybe I just clicked on it wrong well, too. I but I was going to say this isn't a real tough question to I, find an answer to. You you go to the next one. I and I'll jumped look on it. there and I didn't see it right oh. off the top of my head and. Wait, so you mean it, right off on the screen? Okay. Yeah, right on the screen. Uh, so. Yep. So, nope, I don't see anything. Yeah. So it, there are just tons of hotels in Sioux Falls. So this, this is the thing. If you're coming to the Ag PhD Field Day, just look at Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Search for hotels. There's often sports tournaments and those kinds of things going on at the same time and other events going on well, in town. It's the middle there's, of the week. But you're going to stay overnight on a Wednesday night. Yeah, so chances are there's going to be – there are plenty of hotel rooms at least for now but yeah check out sioux falls south dakota in that kind of area we're 10 10 miles north of sioux falls all right got this one from camilla and she said i was just curious if the vigor of corn seeds is still a real challenge for growers this season was there anything unique that you saw in 2021 um I wouldn't say super unique that we saw necessarily this year. It's just it was an early year for planting, and that does happen sometimes. So when you're going to plant into colder soils, then the vigor is more important. So, yeah, there were a few issues. Some of the stands weren't as nice as some people would like. Uh, better seed treatment helps, and better cold germination scores help. So those are two things that, that you have to look at in the future. However, I will say this. In 2018, there were some prevent plant acres in the United States. In 2019, there were lots. In 2020, because of COVID, ethanol plants shut down. And my opinion, and this is just my opinion, is the government over-reported our crop acres. And that's the only reason why we got to $7 corn this year. So um, there were, I can, I can tell you, just talking to every seed corn company, there was a crazy amount of seed that got returned last year, seed corn. So here's my point. You have three years in a row where seed corn use did not match up with seed corn supply, which means that going into 2021 here, we had a lot of carryover seed and we're going to have a tremendous amount going into 2022 as well because there aren't enough acres getting planted to clean up all the stocks that there had been building over the last three years. So because of that, we really encourage farmers, test your seed for a cold germination score. Warm germ usually holds pretty well for five years in corn, but it's the cold germ score that we worry about. And if you got a poor, poor cold germ test, either return that seed or just plant it when the weather warms up and it'll usually be just fine. All right. Thanks for the question. Got this one from Jacob down in Missouri. And he said, I am a first time enlist E3 soybean farmer. I have planted extend beans in the past, but I'm making the switch this year. Unfortunately, I went to my dealer today and he says I cannot buy Liberty. I'm wondering what's going on with Liberty Supply, number one. And number two, talk to me about Enlist One. I have a, a major pigweed problem most years. I am wondering how good Enlist One is going to be because Use it. I'm going to have to lean on it pretty heavy. Yep. We're doing the same thing on our farm. So knowing about this, we basically said we're just going to spray Enlist One twice and let somebody else have that liberty. 
that we had had actually booked earlier. Other people need it worse than we do. So here's the deal. UPL had a plant blow up in India. They're the number two supplier of glufosinate in North America. The number one supplier is BSF. They had all kinds of issues, everything from, oh, we didn't get the inert ingredients in, to uh, we had stuff freeze because of that, uh, that, that storm that went clear down into Texas back in February. And, you know, quite frankly... Um, I, I get a little disgusted by this this talk about oh we we didn't have enough raw materials. Look, he, here's what's happened in the ag chem industry over the last ten years. The way that the industry used to work is companies realized you know our in- incremental cost to produce another gallon is peanuts. It's nothing. Let's make sure we never ever 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 run out. And that's how I would run the business if it was me. Because when you've got mm, 2,000% profit based on incremental costs, I'm not talking total costs. They don't have a lot of profit when it comes to comparing the total costs. I'm talking about the incremental costs. I I would want to have the extra product around because I've already spent all the money on the plant, the people, uh, you know, I mean, all this, the, the regulatory, all that stuff. That's already spent. That's already burned up. But the problem is the way a lot of companies today figure their cost of inventory, they, they figure all those things into it. I wouldn't figure it that way, but that's what they do. And so because of that, then their inventory costs look high. It's not real, but that's, what, that's how they do it. And so because of that, they want to have their inventory value or their inventories low at the end of every season. And they want to bring in raw materials late. And when you have a year like this, you get caught. Because there were environmental issues like that, the freeze down in Texas. There were trucking issues, all these logistical problems that have happened over the last year because we don't have enough people working in North America, uh, even though there are plenty of people hiring and there are plenty of people out of work. Doesn't make sense to me. But anyway, so that's why we have, those are the reasons why we have this issue with glufosinate. And it's not a small issue. We're going to be, here's my estimate. Now, don't quote me on this, but my estimate is 40% reduction in supply this year on on glufosinate. So if you didn't get your Liberty or glufosinate by now, you probably aren't getting it. So the good news is we have plenty of other great alternatives out there for weed control. In ExtendFlex, you can use dicamba or Roundup, or you can use conventionals. In Enlist beans, use Enlist. Enlist is amazing. It's a fantastic product. That new 2,4-D, we don't see volatilization. We don't see near the drift like we do out of old 2,4-D. Stuff works great. Like I said earlier, we're using that twice on our Enlist beans this year, and it will be fantastic. And then next year, we'll go back to this rotation where we'll do one spray of Liberty and one spray of Enlist 1. But you got to figure out a way to get through because there is no supply of Liberty this year. Yeah, and I think the other thing, too, is just get weeds when they're small. Don't push it. Don't say, well, I'm going to wait till they're a foot tall. I want them all to be up before I go out there. No, just be a little more aggressive than that. Get out just a little bit sooner. You'll, you'll like the results. Thanks for listening to our program today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.